Hi, this is Tom Harvey, the Economy Guy. This podcast is all about macroeconomics. It's what's going on in the world around us and what it is can possibly do for us or to us. And welcome. This is an educational show. I want to just give you facts, figures, and some of my opinions so that you can make your own personal informed investing decisions. It is April the 5th, 2020, and this is The Economy Guy, Tom Harvey coming to you. And to tell you about last week's exciting news, it is amazing. I'm going to go over a lot of things today. I'm going to start with the summary of the markets last week. I'm going to talk about what's going on in the world of the virus, which is affecting everybody right now. I'm going to talk about what's going on in Europe a little bit, so you can understand that. I'm going to have some oddball news, you know, which are fun things to listen to, and uh, finish up with the uh, world, the U.S. economic news. So let's start with the markets. What happened in the markets? Well, the Dow Jones 30 ended up at 21.052. That was down about 2.7% for the week. So we'll kind of look at things in the longer term now rather than moving in. It actually was moving a little slower than usual. Uh, But we'll talk about where it's going to be going. The 10-year Treasury was 0.59%. That's really, really, really low for a 10-year. And the Fed is clearly controlling interest rates well. So you can see that in that rate. It's not going up anymore. They're pulling it back down. Oil. Oil is interesting. $29 per barrel. Last week it was 20. It jumped up about 50% roughly in price. And uh, on Thursday it jumped up 25% in one day. That's a world record. Red flag. Red flag. When you, these are the, remember every time I see something that's never happened before, it's a red flag. Just remember that. Oil. Red flag. Thursday. Biggest jump ever. Um, Why did it jump up 25%? Because it looks like people are betting on there's a deal on production cuts between the Saudis and the Russians, and I guess they're going to be friends again. Isn't that nice? Uh, Also, there's a company called Whiting Petroleum. It's a U.S. company that just declared bankruptcy. It's the first um, casualty of the oil war. They uh, were a slate oil producer, and uh, they went out of business because they couldn't compete with those low oil prices, which I thought was one of the purposes of Saudi doing what they did on creating gluts in the market. Uh, But the president's been talking to the oil companies, so he's influencing things somewhat. We'll see what happens. Anyway, we'll watch that. Gold, 1649 on Friday. Will it go up to 1,700 again and test it? Possibly. Possibly not. It is uh, clearly hanging in there. It's a very strong uh, commodity to be holding. And last but not least, the VIX. That's the fear index, as I would call it. It was a 47. That was down quite a bit from its uh, mid-60s range. But in reality, it still is showing extreme fear in the market. So uh, don't get complacent. The people are, uh, the market could do anything. Up, down, sideways, explode, implode, all kinds of things could happen. And unpredictable things could happen in this market. And that fear index is the thing that makes it happen fast, very fast. 
So uh, that's it for right now. I'll be right back, and well, let's talk about the virus news next. Okay, let's talk about the virus and what's going on in the world. First of all, the U.S. leads the pack. We have more infected people than any other country in the world. Uh, about a quarter million or so, which means, let's put it in perspective, that roughly one out of every thousand person has the virus. So that means on randomly speaking, and not going to New York City, but randomly speaking, uh, one out of every thousand people you meet would have the virus. But uh, let's assume we don't know how many people have the virus. Maybe there's five times as many in the United States has the virus. I hope it's not that. But if that's the case, it's only one out of every 200 people you meet will have the virus. So, but stay safe. That's the idea is to keep this thing from growing. How about Italy? Italy is, there's actually good news there. And it's about the number of deaths per day that's happening in Italy. They have peaked. They peaked about a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, but I'm going to assume a week ago they peaked. And they're coming down now each day with the number of deaths that are happening in Italy. This is very good because that's coming down on that curve is uh, this actually being able to see light at the end of the tunnel. If, I, if the curve is going up, there is no light. Um, also, uh, on Sunday, uh, Saturday, yesterday, um, Italy said that they are using less ICU beds in the nation than before. It's the first decline in the number of ICU beds. That's also another sign. It's not a great sign, but the number of deaths is a, a great sign. Um, there are some solutions coming along in the world of virus. Uh, there are uh, some good results. They're not scientific results, but good results on the anti-malarial drug that's out there that uh, people are using now. Uh, there are about seven vaccines against this virus in the works, and with two of them in human trials right now. Just so you know that that's going on, that's generally not known in the general public. Uh, how about China? China says that 98% of their large industry is back at work. I wonder if that's true. Uh, North Korea says that they have zero cases of the virus. I wonder if that's true. There's two things I don't believe. Uh, here's a an interesting one that I might believe, and that is if you look at the six largest cities in China and you say how many people are using their subways, think of the New York Metro, okay, well, how many people are using it in China? The answer is uh, 17 million people per day. That's uh, compared to 32 million before the virus happened. So roughly half of the travelers or people are now traveling, roughly half. So that gives you a better idea of what's going on in China in my mind. Um, now, there's a real problems with China, right? Uh, their data was really flawed. And our uh, uh, intelligence community in the United States uh, has verified, indeed, that they were not telling the truth about their virus statistics. And that really hurt us in terms of our planning of uh, what we could expect. And uh, second thing is our CDC wasn't really prepared for testing this pan pandemic. So we didn't, you know, they didn't do it either. In either case, we really need a special commission. And when this virus is all done and said and done, we need a special commission to look at both China and the CDC to come up with best practices for the future. Uh, here's an interesting one. The Cleveland Clinic has come up with a... Uh, a little gadget, which is 3D printable. That means they can send it out over the internet. Anybody has a 3D printer can make it. 
It has a big enough 3D printer. And what this thing does is it connects to a ventilator, which are so obviously needed in the United States, and it turns one ventilator and can be used by two people, effectively doubling the use of ventilators. I think those are the, uh, this shows the American ingenuity and inventiveness is coming to the forefront. So uh, that's it right now, talking about the virus. That's kind of what's happening. Stay tuned for that. I will be back in a little bit to talk about what's going on in Europe. Back again. Let's talk about what's happening in Europe. This is kind of interesting. Mostly around Italy and Southern Europe, but the Italians have decided they will give their low wage earners, that's people earning less than I think about 35 or 40,000 euros a year, a 600 euro chunk of money. Uh, that's roughly a little less than 700 bucks. Uh, and uh, when the Italians heard that was coming, they went out and crashed these Italian Social Security website. They get their money through the Social Security website uh, because everybody thought it was first come, first serve. But it kind of shows you the pandemonium panic on, uh, surrounding this virus in Italy. Italy is pretty serious. Um, now let's talk one about one of probably the most serious story and topic I want to really talk about here in on today's uh, today's economy guy, and that's what Corona bonds. Corona bonds. Corona bonds are bonds that Southern European countries, especially Italy and Spain, want to write. So they get money, and they want those bonds to be backed by the European Union. And uh, it really would help Italy, Spain, Portugal, and Greece. Those are all of the countries along the Med, roughly around the southern area. But Germany and the Netherlands have blocked that deal, and that has made uh, the Italians really upset. The current prediction is that the Italian GDP, is coming from the Italian government, is going to be down 15%. Okay, down 15% coming up in the next quarter. Uh, also, at the beginning of the crisis, which means in the February time frame, Germany refused to send any of those masks to Italy. They wanted to keep them for themselves. So early in the outbreak, Germany was not helping Italy. That was remembered by the Italians have a good memory. They remember these things. Now, here's what's going on with the, the senior European politicians, especially the senior Italian politicians, have come out and said very clearly, if they can't trust the European Union, if they can't trust their partners in the European Union, specifically to talk about Germany and the Netherlands, they just may have to leave. They'll leave either the EU or they'll leave the Euro, either one. It doesn't matter which one. In either case, that would be the end of the European Union. You see, the European Union can't stand without Italy in it. It's one of the biggest nations, right? Germany, France, Italy, the UK. UK's gone, Italy gone, the EU's gone, effectively. Conversely, if, uh, if Italy drops out of the euro, that's the end of the euro. And if it's the end of the euro, it's the end of the European Union. It's just admitting failure. Um, this is a big deal, and it's all about trust, uh, so po politicians are doing what they're doing. There is 
a real lack of cohesion within Europe today. I mean, you've probably been reading about what's going on with the anti-Hungarian movement within the European Union, but that's kind of a sideline right now. But it it shows you also the Poles have some anti-EU things going on. So keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, the end of the EU could mean this virus has pricked a much bigger bubble than we thought it could prick. That's it. I will be back in a little while with a lot more interesting stuff. I started something last week, which were kind of uh, fun things that are going on in our crazy world we live in, surrounded by virus. I'm going to give it a name. It's going to be the oddball news. Weird things that are happening out there, which are, you know, trivial pieces of junk that you really don't need to know, but uh, are interesting to hear about. Anyway, first of all, Mexico has had a run on its beer. Why? Because the government has said the brewery, Corona Brewery, owned by Anheuser-Busch, is uh, a, a not a necessary thing to have. So it stopped making beer. Well, Mexicans don't live without beer, so they ran out and bought it by the case load. Uh, so don't uh, think you're going to drive across the border. In fact, I wouldn't recommend it anyway. And get a bunch of beer. So... That's the first one. Second one, how about the Berlin mayor? Isn't this a funny guy? The Ber Berlin mayor actually caught the virus on purpose. He's one of these uh, guys that said, oh, you know, this is not a big deal. You know, it's only like a get, catching a cold. I'm going to get it and show you. And after he was all done catching it, he says, it was worse than expected. That's a direct quote. Well, he said it in German. I'm giving you the translation, but that's a direct quote. Uh, so uh, those of you who are thinking of purposely going out and catching it yourself, give it a second thought. Okay, here's the one that you'll really like, all of you smokers. Smoking is good for you. Yeah, think of that. The New York University, and uh, I think it's East Attica in Athens, Greece, uh, University, made a study together on smokers. And they came to the conclusion that there is a, a less of a chance of going into the hospital with the virus if you're a smoker than if you're not a smoker. Now, that is contrary to uh, logic, because if you're a smoker, you probably don't have great lungs. And if you don't have great lungs and you get pneumonia, you're going to die. So uh, it is contrary to thinking. So, But uh, universities do come up with these interesting tidbits. So that's it with the Oddball News today. I hope to have a section every week on the Oddball News if you enjoy that kind of thing. Next, I'm coming up with the U.S. Economic News. This is a much longer session, and it's a, a more serious one, of course. Be talking to you. Okay, back again with the U.S. Economic News. What in the world happened in the U.S. this last week? Well, those people that are claiming unemployment, naturally, as predicted the week before, jumped. Remember, the week before, there were 3.2 million people who claimed unemployment. Well, this last week, it was 6.6 .6 million, more than double that number, meaning there were uh, about 10 million people have claimed unemployment in a two-week period. Wow. And that number is probably low because of a lot of good reasons. So it doesn't reflect reality, but it does. it is a real number, 10 million. Uh, here's something to compare the 10 million to. 
In 2008, when we went into a recession, the total number of job losses, that's over multiple months, was 8.6 million. Well, we exceeded that in two weeks now. That gives you a good idea what's going on. Now, here's a poll. Polls are usually worth ignoring, but it shows that at the end of March, the unemployment rate in the United States, based on a poll, was between 15 and 20 percent. So when the unemployment rate comes out in the near future, don't be surprised with a big number. It depends on how it's calculated. That is a Depression-era number, 15 to 20 percent. So it's a bit what it is. Now, how about GDP? Everybody's guessing at GDP. Nobody knows what the heck's going to happen in GDP. But GDP, there are guesses all over the place. The one that's kind of in the middle is Morgan Stanley. They're a reputable company, and they are saying that the next quarter, the next, in fact, the whole year, 2020 year, the average GDP for 2020 will be minus 10%. That is shocking. That is a horror number. And that's the middle of the range of guesses, but take it as a guess. And they went on to say in 2021, there'll be a recovery because we'll have a positive 1.2% growth. That's after a 10% decline. That's hardly a growth. So stocks don't reflect that kind of GDP thinking today. Uh, stocks are assuming there'll be a rapid recovery in the uh, economy and therefore a, a recovery in the stock market. So uh, I would assume that uh, stocks are overvalued based on that. If that kind of GDP number actually comes true, hmm, watch out. How about foreign exchange? What's going on there? It's kind of an interesting world. Did you know that 90% of all foreign exchange transactions are done in U.S. dollars? But that's uh, in a, there's about 183 different currencies around the world, so, but one of them dominates. That's ours. Okay, and that uh, of, if you look at all debt, all of the bonds, debt, the mostly that, 40% of all debt is uh, designated in U.S. dollars. So we dominate debt, too, in terms of what currency has to be used. Well, the world's central banks are running out of money, and they need dollars. So the Fed, the Federal Reserve, has created a swap lines. They call it swap lines. So they're swapping U.S. dollars for foreign bonds as a short-term solution because central banks need dollars. We'll give them dollars. We'll hold their bonds. Everybody wins. Everybody's happy. Uh, it keeps uh, trade moving. That's what it's really doing. It's really important to do that. But, and I'll add a but here. Here's something I want you to think about. Trump could use those swap lines as leverage in making any deals with any country that got a swap line, and almost everybody did. So put that in the back of your pipe. He has some strong cards to play here. And last but not least in the U.S., the U.S. default rate, that's when people are not paying back their loans, is now greater than it was in 2008. That's not good. The number one sector not paying its money back is the energy sector. They're hurting. That was the oil price, of course. Number two are people, individuals, are really hurting that right now. So uh, we got to keep our eye on debt because, as I said, the big problem is we have a huge debt overhang. If people are not paying it back, it will cause a, something far worse than the virus is causing. So uh, I'll be back again with uh, what the future might hold. This is the final section of today's Economy Guy, and it's really food for thought on the economy that's coming in the United States in the future. 
I would like to uh, kind of compare what's going on today in the United States versus the Great Depression, that's the 30s in the United States. A lot of people have made that comparison. I've done it myself. Uh, well, there are some differences and there are some similarities. Uh, the uh, First of all, we are in an inflationary environment right now. That's all the money that's getting printed. In the 30s, we were in a deflationary environment, a massive deflationary environment. Everything went down in value, houses especially. But everything, you name it, it was going down in value. The solution to that problem was a revaluation of gold uh, by about 40%. And uh, debts were paid with the new currency. We had an old currency, which was gold was worth one twentieth of an ounce. Uh, one, a dollar was worth one twentieth of an ounce of gold. It was revalued. Everybody had to turn in their gold. And then it was revalued at one thirty-fifth of an ounce was equal to one dollar. It's about a 40% devaluation. And then all those old debts were paid off with those devalued new dollars. That was going on about, you know, 30 to 32 type time frame. Uh, so the normal response to having debt that can't be repaid is to pay it with inflated dollars. And even uh, that's a similar thing now to the Great Depression. They had their way of doing it, which was devalue gold. Hey, if you look at gold, incidentally, it says, remember they would change it to one thirty-fifth of an ounce of gold was equal to one dollar. Right now it's one one over, divided by 1,600, one one hundred sixteen hundredths is equal to one dollar. So it's uh, continued to devalue significantly in terms of gold, and that uh, really took off after Nixon took us off the gold standard. Okay, uh, we uh, in World War One we were a great creditor nation. Everybody owed us money. As of 1985, we are a great debtor nation. We owe other people money. How do I say that? Well, foreigners own about $39 trillion worth of U.S. debt, and Americans own about $25, $28 trillion of foreign debt. The net difference is $11 trillion that foreigners that, that we owe, that they have bought our debt. In other words, we have to pay it back. Americans are in debt to foreigners in the net sum of $11 trillion. We are debtors. And uh, what that means is to pay it back, we have to pay it back with deflated dollars. The dollar's going to lose value against all of the currencies at some point in time. That's something to watch out for. Watch out for that little detail. Okay, change the subject now. Let's go to what is the future of the stock market value? In order to have a, a stock market rally, like everybody thinks, it'll go right back up to the maximum peak and higher, you have to have more buyers and sellers. So I would thought it would be uh, educational to look at the buyers who bought stock between 2008 and now versus, you know, who were they? Well, uh, it turns out the majority of stock purchased since 2008 has been by companies. It is company buybacks. And that dwarfs, dwarfs is the correct word, uh, all other buyers of stock, like individuals or anybody, and that buys it by a factor of 10 to 1. For every share that an individual bought, there was 10 shares of corporate buyback. In other words, all of that money printing that was going into the stock market were going into companies, and they were buying their stock back with that money, with borrowed money, cheap borrowed money. Uh, 
in the future, uh, we're, if we come out with a hard, uh, bad uh, economy, the companies won't be able to do that buying back. Who's going to buy the stock is the question. Uh, don't be surprised if there's not a massive rally when we get out of this mess. Let's hope we get out of this mess sooner than later. This is the economy guy talking to you. It's been a great Sunday. I hope you have a wonderful week. I'm looking forward to the excitement that's in front of us. Be talking to you. Thank you for joining us. Please hit the subscribe button on your podcast reader to get future podcasts. This is Tom Harvey. I am an investor myself, not a financial advisor. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as advice or a solicitation to trade, and we disclaim any responsibility for any negative effects of actions people might take.